Gina Montalto, a beautiful 14-year-old girl, member of the marching band Winter Guard at school, woke up on a Wednesday morning, Valentine's Day, got ready for school, got dressed, and went off to school. She had no idea that she would never make it home from school that day because she would be shot to death at school. And not just her, but 14 other students and three faculty members, one in his 40s and two in their 30s. 17 innocent people shot to death by a maniacal murderer whose name I don't know, and if I did know, I wouldn't say, because that's a lot of times the motivation for some of these shooters to become famous, and I don't want to help with that. I'm talking about the Parkland, Florida shooting in 2018. I'm talking about it because last week the shooter was sentenced. The jury had to decide if he would get the death penalty or not. Most murderers don't get the death penalty. That penalty in our culture is reserved for only for murders that are premeditated and that have at least one aggravating circumstance. Was the Parkland slaughter premeditated? Well, yes, the shooter pled guilty to doing it, and he admitted that he planned it for five years ahead of time. And he even talked about how he strategized to be able to kill as many people as possible. He watched coverage of other school shootings, including the Columbine shooting. And he said, I did my own research. I studied mass murderers and how they did it, what they got and what they used. He said from researching things like that, he learned... First, watch for would-be rescuers, keep distance from your targeted victims, attack as fast as possible, wear clothing that blends in so you won't be spotted, by, uh, spotted as an intruder. He said, quote, I have a small opportunity to shoot people for maybe 20 minutes. He said the reason he finally stopped was, quote, I couldn't find anyone to kill. I didn't think anyone else was in the building. So premeditated? Yes, for years. Planned or in the heat of passion? No, it was carefully planned. Did he know it was murder? Yeah, he said he even studied other murderers, his words, in learning how to do it. And yet the jury decided not to give him the death penalty. Evidently, they felt the death penalty is only for murderers who are worse than this guy. Worse than massacring innocent children for kicks. This sentencing has sparked a debate among commentators, and I've heard Christian commentators saying that they didn't think it was such a bad verdict because they don't know if they support the death penalty. And they cite their pro-life stance. They say, how can we say we're pro-life? How can we be anti-abortion on the basis of the sanctity of human life and then turn around and say, oh, we're going to kill certain criminals? If we believe in the sanctity of human life, don't we need to believe in it across the board? What is the answer to that question? And why is it that most people who are pro-abortion are anti-death penalty? And most people who are anti-abortion support the death penalty. Is that a contradiction on both sides? No, it's not. And I'll explain why in just a second. But first, let's just look at the most important factor. The most important factor in deciding if something is moral or immoral isn't whether we can harmonize it with other standards or how it seems to us. The only important factor in determining morality is what God says. So what does he say? God is very clear on this point. Genesis 9-6, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, because in the image of God, God made man. Very clear. Now some might say, wait, that's, that's old Mosaic law. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Well, it's not 
part of the Mosaic law. God gave this law long before Moses was even a gleam in his father's eye. And someone might say, well, you know, that's the, that's the legal system for ancient Israel. It's not for us. Wrong again. This was way before ancient Israel existed. There was no such thing as Israel in Genesis 9. This was given to Noah. And it's reaffirmed in the New Testament as well. In Romans 13, Paul tells us to obey the secular governing authorities because of the fact that God has given them the sword. Romans 13.4, if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring judgment on the wrongdoer. So God has given the sword to governments. The sword is not for spanking people. It was an instrument of death. It was the most lethal weapon of the day, which is why they used it to fight wars. This verse is very clear that God gave governments the authority to put people to death, and that's in the New Testament. So it shouldn't be a debate among Christians. If you believe the Bible, you should be in favor of the death penalty for murderers. And I would argue, not just the worst of the worst murderers, but all murderers. So how is that in harmony with the concept of the sanctity of human life? Answer? The whole reason why God requires the death penalty is because of the sanctity of human life. Listen to God's argument again. Genesis 9-6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed for, here comes the argument, in the image of God, God has made man. Why do we put people to death for killing humans but not for killing animals? Because humans are in God's image, and that has to be taken seriously. If you let someone murder a human being, and you don't give him the death penalty, you're saying, that person he killed is basically like an animal. His life isn't so valuable that it warrants the death penalty. Maybe he shouldn't have murdered a person, but the murder victim wasn't so important as to warrant the death penalty. That's what we're saying. Why do pro-abortion people tend to be against the death penalty? It's because it's not a contradiction. It's because they have a low regard for human life. And so they say, oh, the human life in the womb, kill it if it's an inconvenience. And the death penalty, that's also, when they're against the death penalty, they're saying, those murder victims, those human beings that got slaughtered, ah, they're just, they're just evolved animals. It's not that big a deal to kill them. It's like killing an animal. It doesn't deserve the ultimate punishment. Why are pro-life people in favor of the death penalty? Because they see that murder victim as bearing the image of God. So slaughtering that person is a strike against God himself. If I take a photo of your wife and I spit on it, I rip it up, and that's actually an act of hostility against you, right? And murdering the image of God is an offense against God that is so serious that God says, if you do that, you forfeit your right to live. When they read that sentence in the courtroom, that he's not going to get the death penalty. All the parents of the kids were just mortified and very upset. And I've heard some people say, oh, those they shouldn't have been so upset. Those, pa those parents, they're just vengeful. They want vengeance. They need to learn to forgive. Were they vengeful? I don't know. Maybe they were. I don't know any of those parents. Maybe they had vengeance in their hearts, and maybe they have unforgiving hearts. But I wouldn't assume that just naturally, just because they were upset about this verdict. The verdict was a terrible miscarriage of justice. It could be that they are forgiving people, and they don't carry vengeance in their hearts, but they also care about justice. And the reason they were upset was because their children, who had been murdered, were now being treated like mere animals because the one who murdered them was not given the ultimate penalty. It's possible to be forgiving in your personal relationship and also desire justice to be done.
You can put away vengeance and animosity from your heart, which all those parents should do, while at the same time respect the importance of societal justice and the image of God and call for the murderer to receive the death penalty. I sincerely hope that the Parkland shooter takes advantage of the mercy he's been given. I hope he repents. I hope in prison somebody presents the gospel to him and he repents of his sins and he turns, places his faith in Christ, finds forgiveness for all of his sins and gets to spend eternity in heaven with God forever. That would be a gloriously wonderful outcome. I hope that happens. But even if that does happen, still, that doesn't erase the fact that those jurors who voted against the death penalty for him have on their hands the blood of all those children.